You can save 15% or more at Amazon when you pay with Bitcoin or Bitcoin Cash. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv. You can set your own discount. 5% gets you fastest delivery, or you can set it to 30% or more if you're not in a hurry. Purse makes it so easy to save money at Amazon by buying with crypto. Just go to purse.bogosity.tv and start saving now. Welcome to the Bogosity Podcast for the week of November 24th, 2019. The podcast that wants $11 bills, but you only got 10. This is your host, Shane Killian. First, a quick announcement. 2019 has gone by fast, and next weekend is Thanksgiving here in the States, so no podcast. And Thanksgiving is so late this year, there'll only be a chance for one more podcast after that. I'll be spending December rebuilding my system from scratch, but if I come out the other end of it all right, then we'll be back at the end of 2019 for our annual Year in Review podcast. Let's guesstimate the news of the bogus. So we have an update in the Julian Assange case. To quickly recap, Sweden accused him of rape even though the two women involved say the sex was consensual, so they drop the charges and tell Assange he can leave the country, so he does. Upon arriving in London, he learns that Interpol wants to arrest him because the charges have suddenly reappeared, so he applies for and is granted asylum by Ecuador, and he stays at the embassy. The reason for the asylum is that this arrest is a pretext so that he can be extradited to America for reporting the truth about war crimes committed by the U.S., and that's the only reason this is happening. Which, of course, is a horrible lie and vicious insane conspiracy theory because America would never do something like that. Years pass with Assange not even being able to set foot outside the embassy, and the London police finally smash their way in and arrest him. He's taken to Belmarsh, a maximum security prison where they send the worst murderers, on charges that he skipped bail by being granted asylum. Because apparently Franz Kafka was writing legal instruction manuals. He's served his time for that, but they're keeping him imprisoned anyway, so that he can be extradited to America. And now... The Swedish rape charges have been officially dropped. Who could have seen that coming? I mean, it even says something when the organization Women Against Rape says it's only being used in this case to persecute Assange. In fact, documents released under the British version of FOIA show that the UK Crown Prosecution Service knew that Sweden wanted to drop the charges back in 2013, but they were pressured by the US and UK to keep them open. Meanwhile, the deterioration of Assange's physical and mental well-being continues, and is even worsened during his time in Belmarsh. He's facing 175 years for doing something no journalist or publisher has ever been sentenced for doing, even though many of them have done it, because it's protected behavior under the First Amendment. Meanwhile, still no prosecutions, arrests, or indictments of the crimes he exposed, including unlawful killings, including of journalists and American citizens, and other atrocities perpetuated during the Iraq and Afghanistan wars, and the torture of innocent men, women, and even children at the Guantanamo Bay prison. Something else that's still lacking is how someone who's never set foot in America is being charged with treason and espionage against the U.S. 
But it has been confirmed, as rational people have known all along, that it was no wacky conspiracy theory that they wanted to extradite Assange to the U.S. What's happening is exactly what was predicted. Although the baseless charges have been dropped, again, and although Assange has served his time for the trumped-up charge of skipping bail, he still remains in prison, waiting the very extradition so many people were denying for so long. When will people wake up? up. Ads are annoying, but ad blockers prevent publishers from making money. What if you could support your favorite websites, YouTube creators, Twitch streamers, social accounts, and many more ad-free and without paying anything, and even make some money yourself? It's not a pipe dream, it's Airtime. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and get the browser extension and you'll earn cryptocurrency for the sites you visit. And so will the publisher. This is not a crypto miner. You and the publisher will both get part of the reward from current miners of the BitTube cryptocurrency with no middleman taking a cut. Even if the publisher hasn't signed up yet, his tube will be put into a dedicated wallet that he can claim upon sign-up. You can also use your tube to tip publishers and even purchase products. Airtime monetizes users and publishers with no ads or crypto miners. Go to airtime.bogosity.tv and start making money now. Say, if you're tired of the promos in this podcast, well, the patrons got it early and with no ads or promos. Just go to patreon.bogosity.tv and donate at any level. Meanwhile in Iran, things are going down. Well, not gas prices. The nationalized industry is seeing their prices raised by Supreme Leader Ali Khamenei 50% based on expert opinion because they don't have market prices. Major highways were shut down when drivers turned off their cars in protest. Protesters set fire to around a hundred banks in Iran while chanting, Death to the Dictator. Khamenei, of course, is blaming foreign sabotage. Quote, Some people are no doubt worried by this decision, but sabotage and arson is done by hooligans, not our people. Footage of the protests has managed to get onto the internet and social media, despite Khamenei's regime blocking internet access. Funny how that can happen. So far, there are at least 12 deaths reported, but information is limited as NetBlocks reports only 5% of Iran's previous connectivity. And some fear the toll may be higher. Some activists have claimed it's more than 40. Amnesty International says 100, but from what I can tell, there's no verifiable number as of yet. It doesn't help that it's been really difficult to find good news coverage of this event. I can't even find a single good source to put in the show notes. Everything I'm telling you has been cobbled together from probably a dozen different sources, which is not how I ordinarily like to do things, but this deserves coverage and it's what we're stuck with. There's also a lot of misinformation, such as news stories going around the cryptosphere that the protesters set fire to the Iranian Central Bank. That's located at CBI Tower in Tehran, a 20-story building made of dark blue reflective glass, and I couldn't find any information that it was attacked. The footage reporting to be of this attack didn't even look like the right building, and it was actually a bank in Babahan. The most recent report I could find says that the Iranian government has arrested a hundred leaders of the protests, but things still seem to be ongoing, and despite the fact that the protests have been going on for more than a week, Iranian internet is still down. The most interesting thing about this is the solidarity the Iranian protesters are being shown by others in Lebanon and Iraq, who traditionally have been enemies. This might be a story to keep an eye on. 
If they bother to report on it, that is. If you're on the Wi-Fi in the coffee shop or hotel, anyone on that network can get your traffic. Do you really trust all of those strangers? For that matter, do you really trust your ISP? A VPN can protect you from prying eyes, disguise your location, and even foil government censors. It's essential in this day and age. So go to vpn.pagosity.tv and you'll be taken to BoxPN. Starting at just $2.99 a month, you can get unlimited high-speed connections to VPN servers all over the world. And they don't log connections, so your privacy is assured. Traveling abroad, just VPN home. And don't worry about what those other governments are doing. Back at home, stop your ISP from traffic shaping and messing with the quality internet access you're paying good money for. You can connect from multiple machines at once, including your smartphone or tablet, and it supports all the secure standards, including OpenVPN and SSTP. Bypass sensors and surveillance with your own secure VPN connection. Go to vpn.pagosity.tv. Over the history of this podcast, we've covered several stories about the Constitution-Free Zone that Customs and Border Protection has made of our border, international airports, and surrounding regions. This time we have some good news. A federal judge has ruled that their warrantless searches of phones does, in fact, violate the Fourth Amendment. This is in the case of Al-Assad v. McAleenan, where 11 plaintiffs represented by the EFF and the ACLU brought suit against CBP, ICE, and the Department of Homeland Security over suspicionless device searches. U.S. District Court Judge Denise Casper agreed with the plaintiffs that searching an electronic device isn't the same thing as searching a purse or a suitcase. You can't do it at random or on a hunch. There must be reasonable suspicion, which she defined as, quote, "...specific and articulable facts considered together with the rational inferences that can be drawn from those facts." She also rejected the distinction between manual and forensic device searches, saying that there needs to be individualized suspicion no matter what. Quote, a basic search and an advanced search differ only in the equipment used to perform the search and certain types of data that may be accessed with that equipment, but otherwise, both implicate the same privacy concerns. Also, the only thing they can search for is digital contraband such as child abuse material, classified information, or pirated media, instead of just looking for general evidence of wrongdoing like they have been. Her ruling applies not only to U.S. citizens and lawful residents, but foreign visitors as well. Unfortunately, she rejected plaintiff's contention that the Constitution requires a warrant, which it does, but this is still a huge step in the right direction. Hopefully more courts follow suit. We live in a world where light bulbs connect to the internet, and recent attacks on them prove that your online security is under threat like never before. Not only your websites, but the internet-enabled devices you buy. And the biggest problem is weak passwords. That's why you need LastPass. LastPass allows you to randomly generate strong, unique passwords on the web and on your internet-enabled devices, all protected by one master password. LastPass sets up in minutes and gives you secure automatic logins throughout the web, synchronizing across all your browsers, all your computers, and even your mobile devices, at home, at work, or on the road. It even securely stores sensitive form data, including credit card numbers, backup sensitive documents, software licenses, Wi-Fi logins, and more. 
And with LastPass Premium, you can get these benefits on other applications, manage passwords for your entire family, and also get priority customer support. Sign up at password.bogosity.tv for a free month of LastPass Premium. Log in securely everywhere using the last password you'll ever have to remember. Go to password.bogosity.tv and get LastPass now. And now it's time to semitrize this week's biggest bogan emitter. And this week it goes to the FBI who was just smacked down by a federal judge who says that they can't keep refusing to say whether or not they have documents detailing their monitoring of social media accounts. The ACLU has been trying to get these records for years. The FBI responded to their FOIA request with a denial and a GLOMAR, which is a neither-confirm-nor-deny response, also known as GLOMARization. The FBI said that they couldn't confirm or deny that they had such records, and if they did, they still wouldn't release them because it would give criminals too much information about what they were up to. But given that they publicly secured contracts for social media monitoring tools, it's hard to understand what their point is. The court said the DOJ has already acknowledged the use of these tools, and the FBI routinely works with other federal agencies on this, but this can't be enough to compel disclosure. The problem is, this argument doesn't jive with the Glomar response. Quote, The problem for defendants is that disclosure of social media surveillance, a well-known general technique, would not reveal the specific means of surveillance. Denying a Glomar response would only reveal in general the application of a known technique by the FBI to immigration or transportation-related investigations. Merely requiring the FBI to answer whether there are documents of the kind requested would not, at this juncture, require the disclosure of those documents which might reveal specific tools and techniques utilized by the FBI. So the government bizarrely argued that denying the Glomar might actually force the revelation of a lack of social media monitoring, which would result in chaos and mayhem as criminals felt free to run ragged through social media. If you found that argument bizarre, you're not alone. The court did too. At any rate, as the court pointed out, there's a difference between the FBI saying it has no documents about social media surveillance and no capability of social media surveillance, and that kills the Glomar. So the FBI will at least have to say whether or not it has any records relevant to the ACLU's request. And only if it does can it then start arguing about whether or not there are FOIA exemptions protecting them from release. Which it probably won't, since they'll be using the same tools for monitoring as others do and they're already publicly known. So this really seems to be about the FBI not wanting transparency on this issue. Which means they really just lost. In any event, it at least makes the FBI this week's biggest bogan emitter. Do you have children? Or nieces or nephews? Are you homeschooling? Or just want to counter some of the socialist indoctrination most children get in school? If so, go to bogosity.tv slash Tuttletwins and you'll be taken to a website where you can get some great books for elementary age children. The Tuttle Twins books are books about liberty and free market economics that include children's versions of Bastiat's The Law, Leonard Reed's I Pencil, and Hayek's The Road to Serfdom, as well as books about the Federal Reserve and how regulations protect business cronies. They'll learn about the harm caused by eminent domain, or regulations passed in the name of safety, and fundamental concepts of liberty. And as you can see from the sample pages on the website, they're all easy to read and nicely illustrated. 
They're just $9.99 a piece, or get a special discount as well as free bonuses when you purchase all five. You can even buy in bulk to donate to schools and local libraries. So get the Tuttle Twins books at bogosity.tv slash Tuttle Twins. And now let's pre-modify this week's Idiot And this week it goes to the state of Indiana for a bizarre twist in a GPS tracking case. The Supreme Court ruled in 2012 the police couldn't put a tracking device on someone's car without a warrant. But let's say they do get one and you find it. Can you remove it? That's what Derek Hewing did, and the Warwick County Sheriff's Office charged him with theft. When the device stopped transmitting, they got a warrant to search his home. They found the device along with meth and some drug paraphernalia, which they claim supports their contention that he was dealing drugs, the original reason for the tracking device. Hearing's lawyers argued that the government didn't have probable cause to believe Hearing had committed theft. The device could have fallen off or malfunctioned, for example. Also, Hearing, upon discovering the device, would have no way of knowing it was police that did it instead of a criminal or someone else. It's not like it had government property do not remove stamped on it, and even if it did, a criminal could have put that on there too. Mostly, how is it theft to take a device off of your own car? The same incredulity you're feeling right now is also the reaction of the Indiana State Supreme Court. As Justice Stephen David said, quote, If somebody wants to find me to do harm to me, and it's not the police, and they put a tracking device on my car, and I find a tracking device, and I dispose of it after stomping on it 25 times, I would hope they would not be able to go to a local prosecutor, and somehow I'm getting charges filed against me for destroying someone else's property. Well, a lawyer for the government acknowledged that it was the case, but rules for thee, not for me, since government is bestowed with divine powers on their high priests with badges that mystically changes the principles of logic and deontology to make it all of a sudden be theft. Despite the fact that theft requires an attachment of mens rea, and not knowing whether or not it's the government's device, the suspect's state of mind cannot be different in both cases. Hey, here's a question. Is it theft if you put it on another car? What if you put it on a cop car? Oh, it's just returning your property, officer. And besides, what kind of precedent would that set? Put on the device, don't mount it very securely, wait for it to fall off, BINGO! Probable cause for a search warrant. The court is still hearing the case, but it doesn't seem like it's going well for the Indiana government. But it's their own fault. I mean, theft? Really? What's next? They shoot an innocent person and then arrest him because he stole their bullets? Come on! There's just no way the state of Indiana couldn't be this week's... Idiot Well, that wraps up this Nobody Home edition of the Bogosity Podcast. Come to discord.bogosity.tv where you can join the discussion and post a question, statement, news article, or rant. This podcast depends on you to keep going, so please go to donate.bogosity.tv where you can give using PayPal or crypto, or subscribe at Patreon or Subscribestar to get the podcast and YouTube videos early and ad-free. You can even support this podcast for free with the airtime extension. Thank you for listening. Until next time, here's a quote from Dwight D. Eisenhower. We will bankrupt ourselves in the vain search for absolute security. 
The Begon City Podcast is licensed under Creative Commons Attribution Non-Commercial Derivatives 4.0 International License. Christmas time is coming, and the most classic of Christmas stories is A Christmas Carol. But how much do you know about the original Charles Dickens novella? Have you dismissed it as a children's book with one-dimensional characters amounting to nothing but platitudes and cliches? Maybe your appreciation of the book was even muted by those dry, boring, annotated books they made you read in school. My book, the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, uses both facts and humor to present the book in a way you probably haven't seen it before. Giving praise when deserved and beratement when warranted, this book is put in the perspective of its time and shows a dimensional, multi-layered Ebenezer Scrooge from start to finish. Skepticism, history, and even economics are employed to show the book in relation to today in an easily accessible format. Appreciate the Christmas of your youth all over again. Get the sarcastically annotated A Christmas Carol by Charles Dickens, available at Amazon and on PDF as well.